doing in us and through us as we journey on. I thank you, Father, for the changes that you are bringing about, the transforming um, that's going on, the, the way that you enable us to renew our minds as we read your word and understand it and, and hear your voice in it, Lord God, and know that these are all gifts, gifts from you to us to, that will set us free and help us to fly and to, and to go on and, and to know that great blessing of peace and assurance that we are where we should be and that, and that we belong to the Sovereign Most High God. I thank you, Lord, that I thank you so much, Father, for, um, for your hand upon us, for your good favor. I thank you that, that you know tomorrow and that you've already taken care of it. And I pray, Lord God, that each one of us would remember that as we leave this place today that you are in charge of all our tomorrows, that you know every one of them, that in you they're already there. You're there. You're there in our tomorrow, Lord God. And I, I thank you for it, because I know that means there will be grace there and blessing there and mercy there and, and all that I need there tomorrow. So um, I ask you now, Lord God, in this final session, um, to speak loudly, to help us to understand, to finish off this, this pressed down, shaken and overflowing so that, we, so that we can tie up some loose ends in our minds, so that we can come into a clarity of thought, but most particularly so that we can go out and actually live the way you want us to live. For your glory, Lord God, and for our great joy. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Salvation is, um, as you know, entirely by grace, by God's powerful grace that flows out of his goodness. And grace calls, it justifies, it sanctifies, it glorifies, it's all grace. Everything about God is grace. The same grace that saved you is now at work to sanctify you. And it's in the sanctifying that you see the grace of God most clearly. You see it particularly in your ability to die to yourself. Because that ability that you have, though you may never have experienced it yet, has been given to you by the grace of God. And it is his powerful grace that will enable you to do it. I think sometimes when we hear that we have to deny self, pick up our cross and follow him. It fills us with dread, uh, not only because we're not sure we want to do it, but even when we want to do it, we're not sure we know how to do it. And so it's like, okay, well, what do I do then? How do I do it? What, what, what comes next? And all the time, God is saying, it's my grace that will enable you. My grace is sufficient. My grace was sufficient to save you. It is sufficient to transform you, and it is certainly sufficient to enable you to do what I'm calling you to do. God always enables those he calls. And so when, when you really truly believe that, you have to come to the point of knowing, understanding, that if you do not want to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him, at the end of the day, it's not because you can't, it's because you won't. You won't. 
And the problem for us in our day is that we have a church full of people. We have a, a million, million, million believers who will not deny themselves. They say they are, they think they are, they're serving in different communities, in different ministries, they're going to church, they're doing what look to be the right things, they're saying the right things, they even look as if they're dying to self, but actually they're not. They're not dying to self. Because what we have is a church that is all about me. And whilst we have a church that's all about me, you can be sure we have a church full of people who have not picked up their cross and denied themselves. And until we have a church that denies itself, we will have a world in darkness. And we will not have people coming to know the Lord Jesus. Um, you know, it's an, an amazing thing. Uh, you, all of you know my husband's not a believer, but he knows the real thing. He knows the difference between someone who says they're a Christian and someone who lives like a Christian. When I first came to the Lord, not long after I came to the Lord, he said to me, I have never put anyone before you and now you're putting someone before me. Because he knew what it meant to be a Christian. He knew it before I knew it. Really. So, don't kid yourself that people don't know that you have not denied yourself and followed Christ. Unbelievers know you haven't. Believers know you haven't. God knows you haven't. Everybody knows but you. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's time, really. Um, Rich and I were talking this morning, and Ruth, and we were talking about various things, but one of the things he mentioned was that he was interested in end times, and, and I am too. I think lots of people are interested in end times, and we are in the end times. We're in the last of the last of the last of the last days. We're probably in the last hour of the last days. If ever there was a time to be a Christian, to be, to really be a believer, it's now. I'm going to take this earring off. Even vanity, even I can hear it. I know, so <coughs> it's hard for me because it is all about me. Um, yeah. If ever there's a time to be a Christian, it's now. It's now. And, and we look around the room and, and we think, really, me, Lord? You're calling me? I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a difference in my town, in my family, in my neighborhood, in my work. Really, me? You're going to do something mighty through me? And his answer is a resounding yes. I'm just waiting for you to pick up your cross, to deny yourself and follow me. And you will never know, maybe, the number of people that are impacted by you denying yourself. So um, that's what this weekend has really been about. It's been about the pressing and the shaking and the and the pouring out, but the whole focus of it and the purpose of it is this life is not about you. It's about all those people that God does not want to perish, but to come to repentance. 
It's about all those people that you will never reach if you cannot lay aside the toys and the, and the little dollies in the pram. It's about all the things that you will not do because you won't do this one thing. Um, grace calls, grace justifies, grace sanctifies, it glorifies, it enables. If you want to do this, you will do it in power. God will do it through you. That is his promise. And he never fails. If you want to live your life for God, you will. There's no doubt because he is an unchanging, covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. Why is it important to make a choice today? Today, I mean, I really, really mean today. Why is it important to make that choice today? Because, because we stand at the last hour, the Antichrist will soon be here. Whether we see him or not, whether we're raptured before or whatever, doesn't really matter. We all have our opinions, that's okay. But he's coming. And when he comes, we'll come with him at such a deception that people will no longer be able to know truth. You and I have the opportunity now to speak truth, to live truth, to be truth. And the truth of Jesus is not what people are seeing. The, the truth of Jesus is that he came as a suffering servant. He came to wash feet. He came to take on himself the sin of the world. He came to die so that people could have the way to get to the Father. If you do not live as he lived, you do not adequately represent him. You don't. You can talk about him from now until next year, but if you don't live like he lived, you are not his ambassador. Ambassadors represent their king. They live like their king. They speak like their king. They behave like their king. They do what their king does, and they definitely do what he says. Now ask yourselves the questions. Is that how you are living? How many feet did you wash yesterday? Figuratively speaking. God can do the impossible. He can do the impossible. He can do whatever he wants, when he wants. He doesn't need you at all. But he has chosen to do the impossible through you. He has chosen each person in this room who is a believer in the Lord Jesus. He has chosen you. I don't know. Are you 80? Are you 70? Are you 60? Are you 50? Are you 40? I don't know that I can go much lower. Maybe are you 30? How old are you? 
you are still young in the Lord. Are you fat? Are you thin? Are you female? Are you male? It doesn't matter. Are you intelligent? Are you a bit slow? Do you speak English, British English? Or do you speak Welsh? Do you, I'm only joking. <laughs> do you speak Swiss German like my friend and Italian and various others? Do you speak another language? It doesn't matter. Do you look kind of geeky? Have you never been cool like me? No. It doesn't matter who you are or who you were or what you think about yourself or what you look like. It makes no difference. God will work through you if you open your heart to him. He will work through you as he worked through Moses. He will part the Red Sea in front of you. That's... And if you say, well, you did that for Moses, but he's not going to do that for me, my answer is, you don't believe. You don't believe. And you need to confess that you don't believe. Because all the way through Scripture, God says, I'm, I can make the stone speak. I made a donkey speak. Do you think I can't do that with you? Do you think I can't make you into something you're not? He is waiting only for each one of us to say, yes, yes, I will die to myself. I'll die to myself from this moment on. I will think of everything, everything in my life from this moment on as you want me to think of it. I will make decisions based on how this will affect the kingdom of God rather than how it will affect my life. I will watch TV programs. I will mix with people. I will talk with people. I will be deliberate in my conversation. I will be encouraging and edifying and kind and gracious. I will be servant-hearted. I will go the extra mile. I will do the things I don't want to do because I know Jesus would do those things. Do you want to know how to surrender? Read the Gospels. Read the Gospels. Read the life of Jesus and see what he did. Read about Paul's life, who could say, I have been poured out like a drink offering on the service of your faith. I have been poured out for you. Now, I'm not trying to say that none of you are doing this. I know that there are some in this room who are surrendered to the Lord. And praise God for it. And really, it would have been great had I been better. Maybe we could have talked a bit more. Maybe we could have had a time of testimony for people to share what the Lord is doing in their lives because they are sold out for God. So I'm not trying to preach at you as if you're not doing this. I'm just trying to, to say to you that there are so many people in this room who believe God cannot do this, will not do this through me. And that's a lie from the enemy. It is a lie that God won't do it through you. He chose you. 
before you were born. And he brought you here this weekend to tell you this, that I will make of you something fantastic. I will do a fabulous thing with your life if you only give it to me. <coughs> People have heard the gospel. We live in a country where there's churches on every street corner. People have heard the gospel. They've had religion. They've had it. They've had it in spades. They don't need more religion. They need life. They need the life of Christ lived out in front of them. They need people who actually live what they say they believe. They live people who, need people who are going to face difficult, difficult, desperately hard days and they are still going to be praising God through them. Who have you talked to here this weekend? There are people who are facing hard, hard times in this room. When you talk to those people and you listen to their stories, what are you getting back? Are you getting back that woe is me? You know, uh, no, you're not. <coughs> you're getting back the story of God at work. That's what the world needs. They need a people who say, yes, my life is difficult. Yes, my life is hard, but God, but God, but God. There are so many people who need to see Christ Jesus in you. They live next door to you. They live in my house. They need to see Christ in you. And it doesn't matter. You know what? It doesn't matter where you were yesterday or Friday or Thursday before we got here. It doesn't matter where you were. It only matters that you're here and now and that you take this on. God's not interested in yesterday. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed your transgressions from you. He's not bothered about what you said and what you did and how you did it. He knew all of that before he formed you in your mother's womb. He knew all of that before he chose you. That's done, finished. Done and dusted, we used to say. Move on. Tomorrow come, is coming. Tomorrow is calling. Move on. You are the prodigal son. Do you remember the prodigal son in Luke 15? Do you remember the response of the father? That's who you are. That's who we all are. Almost none of us were the, the, good, the good brother. We were the prodigals. And he waited with arms open wide. And that's what he's doing today for you. He's waiting with arms open wide to say, come on, come on, let's go. Let's welcome you back. I know that you haven't left him in terms of you haven't left your faith. But I also know that you've spent a long time thinking about you and about your life. 
So you come and you say, okay, Lord, let's begin today. Let's start today. I've done this so many times before, Lord. And I get through one day and then the next maybe and then the next and then somehow something happens and it all slips away. But I'm trusting you this day, Lord. I'm going to trust you this day. And I'm going to concentrate only on this day. I'm going to concentrate on this day. I have decided to deny myself, pick up my cross and follow you. And I think, believe that your grace is sufficient for me today. I'm not going to think about tomorrow. I'm going to concentrate on today. What do you think God's answer will be? (coughs) Who said rejoice? Zephaniah 3.17. I think this might be one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. I rejoice over you with singing or with shouts of joy. Zephaniah 3.17. I rejoice over you with singing. If ever I've ripped a verse out of context, it's that one, but I don't care. (coughs) Zephaniah 3.17. It's one of those little prophets, you know, back there that you can never find properly. <coughs> if somebody gets there before me, just read it out. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exalt you over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Thank you. The Lord your God is in your midst. The Lord your God is in your midst today. Now, a victorious warrior, a victorious warrior, he will exult over you with shouts of joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy or with singing. Now, you live to rejoice over him. That's what surrender is. Surrender, living a denied life, living a denied denial of self-life, is a life of rejoicing over God. It's just saying, Lord God, thank you so much that you're God, that you're my God, that you're in my midst, that you're a victorious warrior, that I don't have to be afraid. I know I'm going to live for eternity. That's what a surrendered life is. That's what the crucified life is. That's what Jesus' life was. It was just rejoicing over his father. Rejoicing that he could serve him and love him and and obey him. Rejoicing. And that's what God's calling up to us. Now you live to rejoice. Live to rejoice. Live to rejoice, live to pray, live to give thanks. That's where it starts. Don't run around like headless chickens. You're going to get out of the room and try. We're all going to be fighting over which member of staff to wash their feet. You know, we're all going to be trying, how do I surrender here? What do I do? What does it look like? How do I serve? That, what it looks like is you live a life of rejoicing, of praying, of, of, of giving thanks. 
That's what this looks like. And he will do the rest. He'll bring the people that into your life that you might need to help out a little bit. He'll show you the roads that you need to walk so that you will understand this is the way he wants. You'll hear that voice behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. He will do all of those things. You spend your time rejoicing that you are held in the hand of a God who has chosen to live through you. And do it with your words, do it with your thinking, do it with your feeling, do it with your choices, do it with every part of your being, do it in the way you choose to love your neighbour, do it in the way you choose to speak and to think about people. When you start to get critical thoughts about people, choose to say, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. When you start to be judgmental because someone doesn't think quite like you think and, oh my goodness, they think the Lord Jesus is coming back in the middle of the tribulation. Ha, 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 how could that be? They're so wrong. When you think those things, cut your mind off. Say to the Lord over and over and over again, oh God, I know I've got so much wrong I'm telling you now, I'm telling you now as Anne, the person who has spoken here, go home and check out every word I said because I am not absolutely 100% positive that everything I said was right. And I'm sure that at one stage God's going to say to me, he's going to put his hand on or his finger on a point and say, hmm, I don't think you quite explained that quite right. And then I'm going to have to figure out a way to get that out to you. <coughs> Do you see what I mean? Nobody's 100% right all the time. Nobody. And if they are, they're dead. <laughs> <coughs> That's why we sell dead books. Well, the books are not dead, but the authors are dead. Just get into that place where you don't have to be right all the time. Where, where you, can, you can show mercy and grace to someone who isn't showing mercy and grace to you, where you can forgive, like that. Where it comes like second nature just to, to say, that's okay, don't worry, that's fine. Where you, can, where, where, where you just start to live in this gracious bubble and everything that comes out of you looks and sounds like Jesus. Choose him. Choose his purpose. Choose his life. Just choose surrender. And the more you do it, the easier it is. The more you do it, the easier it is. And yes, will you come upon some boulders in the road? Oh, you know, really, Lord, really? Yes, you will. Okay, God, how am I going to choose you here? Well, you're just going to put your hand in mine, Anne, and we're going to go round this boulder together. It's, it's going to be like that. Praise his name, pray in his name, give thanks in all things. He is the glorious powerful king of kings. He is coming and he is coming soon. But until he gets here, you're it. You're it. 
And so you and I have to be about our Father's business. Now, everything I've just said, rejoicing, giving thanks and praying, you should be able to scream at me, shout, well, not literally scream, but shout out at me, where does that come from? (coughs) It comes from Philippians and where else? It's probably everywhere, but it's not where I've got on the page. So, <laughs> It comes from 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice. Well, actually, I was just about to quote Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. But 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse um, 16, thank you. Verse 16 to 18. Where are we? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in the Spirit. Pray without, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you want to know what a surrendered life looks like? It looks like that. It looks like rejoice always, Pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. It looks like giving thanks in prayer and rejoicing. What does he mean when he says rejoice always? Because he says it often, as Anne says, he says it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. What does he mean when he says rejoice? Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. <coughs> hmm. Praising him, give thanks. Yeah, but slightly different, slightly different to those. Thanking him, slightly different. So, so that take delight in him. Yeah, we're getting there now. We're getting there. Take delight in him. Find your joy in the Lord. Deliberately find your joy in God. That means because we aren't always full of joy. Let's face it, we're not. We're emotional, up and down people, and things affect us. Circumstances, people, um, our own health. You know, find your joy in the Lord. That's a choice. It's a choice to find your joy in the Lord. A surrendered life finds its joy in the Lord. A crucified life finds its joy in the Lord. What does Nehemiah say? The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Where did Jesus find his joy? (coughs) Yeah, before the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy set before him? Glory was the joy set before him. What would that glory involve? See what you know. Look at what you know. Suffering. What else would it involve? Death. Yes. Yes. Hey? Resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what that glory involved? That joy? It involves you. For the joy set before him. For the joy of bringing many sons to glory. For the joy of bringing all of you strange motley crew into eternity 
That's what he endured the cross for. Yes, he was obeying his father. Yes, he was, he was living a surrendered life. Yes, he lived the crucified life. He did it all for his father. But the joy set before him was the glory that awaited. And the glory that awaited included you and me. We are the riches of his inheritance in the saints. Can you imagine? Ephesians says that in chapter 1. Ephesians 1, uh, right at the end. Um, yes, not right at the end. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And that can be translated either way, that he has the, the inheritance in the saints or that we have inheritance in him. So I'm just taking it. Let's take it that it's his inheritance, which is us. We are the glorious inheritance of Christ Jesus. And when he endured the cross, that is what he looked to. He looked to the joy set before him, the joy of glory. I'm not saying that's all there is, but what I'm saying is he lived a crucified, surrendered life for you. For you. Now, he found his joy in what was set before him. Find your joy in what you know is coming, not in your everyday life. Don't look at your everyday life and expect to find everything good. This life is not good. This life is a mess. This life is human. It's full of frailty and weakness and difficulty and test and trial. And you're all old enough to know that. You cannot find your joy here. No lasting, deep, strong, foundational joy. It doesn't exist on this planet. Save in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Find your joy in him. And it's an instruction. That's what he says in First Thessalonians. He says, rejoice. Oh, I've lost it again, sorry. <coughs> rejoice always. That's a command. It's a command. Why does he have to command you to do it? <coughs> or why does he command you to do it? Yeah, <coughs> it'll do us good. But in terms of what we've been talking about the whole weekend, there's an unwillingness. Humanly, it means you will have to deny your human instinct because your human instinct will not be to rejoice. Your human instinct is to look at your life and think, woe is me. Why me? Why have I got to have this? Why is, you know, why am, it was my life beset with this stuff? That's human. You, will ha you have to be, we have to be instructed to rejoice because it will involve the denial of ourselves, the denial of our self-will, the denial of our self 
um, confidence, the denial of everything about ourselves. Psalm 42, verse 5. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. (coughs) We have to make ourselves rejoice. And the only way to do it is to meditate on God, to recount the truth of God to yourself. Um, that, uh, That phrase, why are you in despair, O my soul, is written several times in Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. Um, it's just repeated. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why do you think it's repeated in those things, in those Psalms? Okay. Needs to be reminded, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Why else? Hey, he was in total despair because the human, the natural human condition is despair. Why? <coughs> because naturally, we this life is a mess, and and we at some point in our life and at many points in our life we know we have no control over it, and that's what brings us to despair. Where can we go? What can we do? Our humanness causes us to despair. And so what the psalmist is saying is, don't listen to your soul. Don't listen to your soul, because it will lie to you. Your soul will lie to you. Your soul is in the process, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, of being transformed. That's what's being transformed in you. Your spirit is alive because of Christ. It's alive forevermore. Your body is dead and is dying and will go. And your soul is being transformed. And it is your soul that needs renewing. It is your soul that needs uh, changing. And that's what's happening today, that's what's happening tomorrow, that's what's happening last week, that's what God is in the process of doing. Why are you listening to a soul that is giving you lies? You need to put in the truth. How will you do that? (coughs) Yeah? There you go, therefore I will remember you. Again, I will choose to remember you. Don't listen to your soul. Keep on meditating on, thinking on, recounting the truth of God. Pray unceasingly, Paul says in verse 17. Pray unceasingly. How do you do that? And why? Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice always. Pray unceasingly. 
What does that mean? They're instructions. Yeah, yeah, keep your eyes on Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yes. I think that, yes, I think so. What's happening if you're praying? What are you doing if you're praying? Talking to the Lord. When you're talking to the Lord, what's happening? <coughs> hmm? Yes, spirit to spirit communication and you're turning away from the world. So if I'm having a conversation with Linda, I'm not listening to my radio. If I'm having a conversation with Wendy, <coughs> I'm not listening to Liz. <coughs> Do you see what I mean? It's like I am concentrating on talking to someone who I know is the most important person to talk to. <coughs> and as I'm praying, what am I asking for? <coughs> In relation to rejoice always. Really, these sentences, they're not like random. It's not like, oh, what shall I write next? You know, I've just told them I love them. What shall I say now? It, it, this, is, this is definite connections. Rejoice always. Pray unceasingly. <coughs> Why do you need to pray? Definitely. <coughs> Do you think you not, might need to pray unceasingly so that you can rejoice always? <laughs> Do you think you might need God's help in rejoicing? Okay, so when he says pray unceasingly, you don't have to rack your brains. What, to t what should I pray about then, Lord? I don't even know what to say every moment of every day. What he means is be in constant communication with this God who is calling you to find your joy in him at every moment who is calling you to surrender your life to him. And let me tell you, you will need my power, he says, to be able to do that. And how is God's power released? <sighs> Through his spirit as, as you pray. As you pray, God wants to involve us in this work that he's doing in and through us. The more we pray, the more involved we are. The more you pray, the more you rejoice. <coughs> <coughs> What's going to happen then? When you, um, when you pray, you find yourself able to find your joy in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. You find yourself able to pray unceasingly. I don't think that that means consciously every moment of every day praying. I think that just means being in an attitude of, of an open communication with God. Um, so what's going to happen when, you, when that's going on? You're fine. You're immersing yourself in him. And then what's, yeah, what, so what's going to follow that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah, <coughs> yeah, what else? 
Hey? Yeah. To him. Yeah, these are all fantastic answers. Follow the text. First Thessalonians 5. Right, what's the next thing? Give thanks in all things. What will happen if you find your joy in the Lord, you're in unceasing prayer, you will inevitably be giving thanks in all things. Why? Yeah, because, but because you'll know he's here, he's now, he's working it out. I can be, I'm joyful. I have chosen to find my joy in this. I have unbroken communication with the God of the universe, the God who can do all things, the God to whom nothing is impossible. I am in, in unbroken, joyful conversation with the God who knows tomorrow, who's already gone ahead of me, who has prepared all that I need, who knows what I need, who knows that I am going to struggle with this or that, or that I'm facing the biggest trial of my life. I am in conversation with that God, and I, can, I have chosen to find my joy in him. What's going to happen to you? You're going to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you that though I don't know what tomorrow brings, and though I don't know how I am going to get through it, I know I am because you will take me through. That's just what's going to happen. That's going to happen. <coughs> That's the surrendered life. It's a surrendered life. It's a life of unbroken reliance on God. And a life of rejoicing, of prayer, of thanksgiving, of giving thanks in every circumstance, not because of the circumstance. How could you possibly do that? This life is full of rubbish circumstances. You can't give thanks for the circumstance, but you can give thanks for the fact that he's there with you and that he's already worked this out and that he will cause all things together to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his circumstance. And you're not simply trusting that verse anymore. You're not just reciting it because you know you should. It's not a mantra. It's not something that's like a magical formula. You are actually experiencing that, that he really is working all things together for good, that you have experience of that in your daily life. I think that's how it happens, yeah, definitely, that um, you are renewing your mind, yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I suppose what I'm trying to explain is that it, it, verse 16 to 18 of 1 Thessalonians 5, they're not just good advice. <laughs> you know, it's not just, I'll try this and see what happens. This is like the, the instructions. It's the, the command, it's the... It's the way that you will be able to live a life of joy, a life of power, a life of victory. And you see, when I began this weekend and I said, this is about a surrendered life 
a crucified life, a life of denial to self. It was like, oh, <laughs> shoulders down. That's going to be hard. But the reality, of course, is always the opposite of what we think. The reality is that in a surrendered life, in a crucified life, in a denial to self, there is victory. There's freedom. There's such joy. Because you're not worried and you're not in despair and you're not thinking, oh, how's this going to work and how's that going to work and I just don't know what I'm going to do. You're thinking, oh, thank you, God, that you know, that you know what's going to happen, that you know where we're going, that you have this under control. And all the time you're just asking him, Lord, just help me to get rid of the fear, to get rid of the fear, to get rid of the, the, uh, the temptation of the enemy to start believing the lie. Help me to keep my eyes so fixed on you that I don't even think about whatever else is going on around the edges. Can I just say that? Mm. Thank you, yeah. <coughs> Why are you clapping her? You didn't clap me. <coughs> I'm only kidding. Thank you. I always think that Jane could stand up here and say everything in five minutes that it took me six hours to say. Thank you, Jane. Thank you. <coughs> so, yeah. So, these three verses in First Thessalonians 5, they're, as I say, not just good advice. What they are is the power of God reaching into you and through you to be able to live the way he's calling you to live. See, you all believe that God's word has power, don't you? You believe Isaiah 55, which says, my word never returns to me empty without a accomplishing the purpose for which I sent it. 
So when God tells you to rejoice always, to pray unceasingly, to give thanks in all things, why do you think he's saying those things? This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's how it finishes. Why do you think he's saying those things? Yes. Because as you do them, his power is released in you. He is released in you. There's no word of God that does not have power for your life. It all has power for your life. And as you do receive for yourself the word of God, that is what he, is how he will work. Obviously by his spirit, but using his power, using his word. And that power will enable you to be pressed down, to be shaken up, and to start to overflow um, as you willingly deny yourself. God's will is for you and I to actually experience joy. That's his, his will for you. To actually experience joy in the surrender. How do I know that? <laughs> I think that's a slightly cop-out answer, but it's true. Yes, yeah, yeah. happen because this is what Jesus experienced and you are in him and he's in you therefore you will experience this as you live his way yes 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 it's simple mm. 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 <coughs> Please do. I'm just going to read Psalm 57 and then I think we better start finishing up. 
Um, Be gracious to me, O God, be gracious to me, for my soul takes refuge in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until destruction passes by. I will cry to God most high, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon me. God will send forth his loving kindness and his truth. My soul is among lions. I must lie among those who breathe forth fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They dug a pit before me. They themselves have fallen into the midst of it. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises. Awake, my glory. (coughs) Excuse me. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. 